Well, greetings and welcome to the Dill Flow Show. I'm JP Maroney, your host, along with my co-host, Mr. Paul Nicolini, here at Dill Flow Show and the Harbor City team. We have Aton Butler from the Dalmore Group on the show today. And I'm excited, Aton, to kind of dive into your background and how you got started in the capital markets. We're gonna talk also about the deal flow process, obviously, how you evaluate or vet deals and opportunities, how you figure out the kind of people that you work with. And as we've told other people in the past, a lot of the content from this, we put out there as a full show, then we also uh, are gonna be turning this into a book at some point and putting that back out there with the best tips and techniques and strategies that all of our star deal makers have used over their years of experience. So let's jump in, as I mentioned, let's get a little bit of backstory and find out how you got started in the capital markets. Excellent, well, guys, uh, pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so my background, I, I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, and um, I did things like shovel snow and mow lawns. I worked at a pizza shop in Silver Spring, Maryland. I hustled. Um, I never really liked to work for other people. I always liked to create my own destiny. I was very entrepreneurial and, and, and still am today. So unlike many of the folks that work for Dalmore today, we're a pretty big organization today, I never worked for another uh, investment bank or a larger firm. Uh, right out of college, I started a family office. I started investing. Um, and, um, and in 2005, my partner and I founded uh, Dalmore Group. Uh, you know, we're a uh, FINRA broker-dealer investment bank based in New York with offices nationally and active and licensed in all 50 states. Um, but that's kind of how I got into it. And, um, and, you know, over the last 16 years, I've been you know, very focused on, on growing Dalmore, uh, growing new lines of business, uh, and also managing my, my family office. Beyond the entrepreneurial side of things, if you go back to the family office that you started first, what are some of the early deals, that, uh, types of things that you worked on, types of investments and projects? So there's, there was a number of commercial real estate acquisitions that, that have taken place over the years. Um, financing a number of different fintech-related companies, investing in asset-backed lending opportunities in, in multiple industries, uh, and, um, and some alternative energy um, you know, a number of years ago as well. To go back to your, uh, your point, I find fascinating that you went, you didn't work for a boutique or you didn't work for a smaller BD or investment bank and you went right into starting your own. Tell us a little bit about those early days because it's not a one man show. Obviously you have regulations, you got, you got um, custody issues, you got, you got uh, uh, just all sorts of things that you have to deal with starting a new business. So that's really fascinating to me. Can you just tell us a little bit about those early days? Yes. It's, it's very interesting. Um, at a college, um, something called day trading be became a thing, if you guys recall. Um, and I had friends of mine right out of college that, that started to day trade. Uh, and they would sit in a dark room and they would play what looked like a video game with the stock market. And some of them were doing quite well with companies like Amazon and eBay and Yahoo back then. And I was very intrigued about, um, about exploring that as, as a possible you know, career. Um, I, I was able to convince my father to lend me or, or invest $25,000 at the time, which was the minimum. And you kind of leverage that 10X you know, to be able to have, uh, you know, have, have capital to trade. And I was terrible. I was very impulsive. I wanted to do it all right away. And I realized that you know, I'm not a trader. You know? um, but what was interesting to me, I like the culture. 
And I like the idea of the house always winning, right? So, you know, enabling others to be able to trade, leveraging their capital, helping raise them money, that put me in, around that entrepreneurial and that kind of trading environment without being a trader myself. Um, and soon after that, um, we, um, Oscar and I uh, founded Dalmore Group um, as a broker dealer, really initially designed to raise money for hedge funds, which were kind of a new thing back then, like third-party marketing for, for various hedge funds, different fund of funds as well, and also to provide you know, clearing and execution services, brokerage services to different hedge funds. How did you get the, I mean, normally you need a, a Rolodex or something to launch something like that. How did you go into, especially raising not only money for yourself, but raising money for others, for the hedge funds? Where did you, where did you go? Was it institutional money, um, high net worth? What, what was it y'all were raising in? Yeah, well, back, in, back at that time, you know, it was really about um, you know, institutions. It was about private equity. It was about family offices were really uh, a primary source of these investment dollars back then, way before the Jobs Act. And, and the changes in 2015, which, which, which created a whole new way to approach raising money for companies. Um, back then, it was really you know, leveraging family relationships, community relationships, relationships I had with friends from college and, and their families as well, um, and identifying unique hedge funds at the time that we thought, that we, thought we, we wanted to get behind, either put some of our own capital in and take them on to uh, take them to market. Um, so that was the early stages of Dalmore, which really on the on the hedge fund and on the on the clearing and execution services side. Now y'all work in the public and private markets today. Yeah, we have um, a number of clients, um, both private and public, that we provide investment banking, corporate advisory services to, and most recently and significantly, Regulation A broker dealer services to as well. Well, you said regulation yeah. A, and then you said broker dealer services. Are you you going straight to retail though, or where are you? Where's that money being raised? Well, it's interesting. Regulation A, we believe that the that the most effective distribution and syndication strategy for Regulation A, with with the lower investment minimums, is really a solid marketing and promotional campaign designed to steer as many eyeballs as possible to your landing page and to your invest now button. Very different than more traditional broker-dealer distribution and syndication that you find with Regulation D, which typically have higher investment amounts and are more geared towards, you know, um, broker-dealer syndication. Um, a totally new way to approach raising capital, but a totally liberating way for entrepreneurs to realize, hey, I don't need to go and knock on doors. I don't need to find a investment bank to believe in me and 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 follow up with them and, and, and put my destiny in their hands. I get to say, this is my offering, this is my structure, and I now get to take it to hundreds of millions of people, and anyone over 18 could participate. And it's really the first time in history that we're seeing this. Um, and we've been on the cutting edge, um, given the fact that we've been at this for a while, right? You know, we've seen a number of uh, newer broker-dealers and newer platforms come, come and go, frankly. Um, but we think like bankers, we think like entrepreneurs, and and what I love most about what I do today is the interactions with the different CEOs to understand what they're going through, to realize I'm working with the next series of, of, of kind of cutting edge, you know, technology and, and, and influencers. Um, and um, and it's, it's, we're, we're thrilled. It's a, it's a very exciting place to be. 
um, and, it's, and it's growing and evolving very quickly. Did you, am I reading this right? Did you guys do 80 Reg A's this year? Yes, we, <laughs> we've been very, very busy um, in 2020. Um, look, it's a very serious and unfortunate year for, 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 for many people. And you almost have to be lucky to, to be in, in a position where you're not affected in a negative way from that. And we're very sensitive to that. That's first. Thank God we're in a position right now where, you know, um, we, we've been, you know, I wouldn't say we benefit directly from, you know, COVID and what's going on, but certainly the, 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 the boom of, of volume that we're seeing that started well before the pandemic didn't really slow down going into it, right? So really over the last 12 months, um, we've been immersed in Regulation A and now Regulation CF as well with the increase to 5 million. Uh, and yes, we've onboarded, I believe it's 83 or 84 uh, Reg A deals where we are the broker dealer of record. We've been broker dealer on some of the most successful Reg A offerings in history. Um, and um, and we, we, we love the business. We are obsessed about um, really providing, you know, top-notch service and value-add to our issuers. Um, and I believe they benefit a lot from the experience that we have, you know, because, you know, with, with that type of volume, you really get to see what works and what doesn't work, right? right. And, 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 that, and that could be very helpful for an entrepreneur that's, that's approaching this for the first time. You know, what service providers do I use? How much should I pay for this? Who, who, who are the most efficient and effective lawyers to, to bring on? How do we market this? What's a newsletter? How does that work? Um, you know, so, so having, you know, developed this ecosystem of different service providers that we've worked with over and over again, um, I think we're, we're a real value add and, and certainly have a lot of experience in, in helping companies succeed in, in the regulation they offer. This is strictly an opinion, but the mechanics, as you mentioned, who do I use, service providers, what are the costs, how do you put it all together, those are... While unknowns, they're the, to me the easiest to answer when you put it up beside how do we get the eyeballs. So something you said about landing pages is my ears perk up because that's our world. We, you know, we're very involved in lead generation, generated millions of leads over the last 10 years, well, 15 years. Um, but I want to talk about that in just a minute. Before we do, if you're watching or listening to this episode of The Deal Flow Show, you can get access to our past episodes, our archives, as well as subscribe and follow us on every platform known to mankind by going to thedealflowshow.com. That's thedealflowshow.com. Aton Butler with the Dalmore Group. Let's talk about marketing. So there's two pieces to that, right? There's traffic and then there's also the conversion the conversion to a lead or an interested party, and then ultimately to an investor. Um, I didn't make this up. I'm sure you've heard it before. Good marketing enters the conversation going on in the mind of the prospect, right? So obviously the easiest way to do that is go out there and get in front of the right people. So you mentioned there's a real demand, and we've even talked about some of the IPO activity this year and the insane Appetite. Ideas yeah, yeah. that are getting massive amounts of capital thrown at them, in the, even in the public markets, there's just a big appetite. So the question, I guess, is is the audience that you're going on going after with the Reg A's, can you talk a little bit about who is that? What is the mindset? What is the conversation going on in the mind of the person that's going to 
go on a platform or a page somewhere and ultimately, theoretically, without a, a lot of conversations with anyone in the company or at the broker-dealer, make an investment in an opportunity. Am I assessing that correctly? You are, and, and, it, and, and it gets pretty granular, actually. Um, you know, first off, every issuer is a bit different, right? Different industry, different characteristics, different track record, different offering. Um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have a celebrity as a partner and that you could leverage their network of subscribers and fans, if you're fort or an influencer, if you're fortunate enough to be a consumer brand with many, you know, users or subscribers or consumers, you have the opportunity to present, and you know, your investment opportunity to them so that they can become investors as well as um, consumers in that way, um, and on and on. If if you're doing something that's highly relevant to this environment related to COVID or a number of other areas in biotech that we're seeing, then you could leverage some of that PR. Um, but either way, um, and if you're fortunate enough to get picked up in, by, by a financial newsletter or a publication that's made up of thousands of paying subscribers that are looking for pre-vetted opportunities to invest in, also great. But what if you're not? What if you have a great idea, a strong track record, a, a board that's coming together, and you're looking for looking to get something off the ground, or you're looking for acquisitions, or you're looking to finance something. Um, you really need to number one, you need to you need to understand who your what the demographic of your potential investor is, and you need to figure out how to get your message in front of them. And that's different for every different offering, and that affects the minimum investment amount that you decide to go on. You know, do you want to to be a hundred or two hundred dollars, and you want to go and get tens of thousands of investors, or do you want to be two or $3,000 and go after a different characteristic of investors? That is critical. And what's most important is to, re is to realize, and this is something new, you have to always remember that your investor is that individual, average American, uh, could be a mom, that we used to call mom and pops, right? Um, that's, that's out there. Um, you have the opportunity to target them on social media or, 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 or in other ways, with, with your opportunity. And you have to be really clear about who you are and what you do right up front so they get it. Because you, you got their attention for a second, right? And you need to bring them something that is number one, um, easy, the structure needs to be easy to understand, whether that's common equity or preferred or something. Along. Once you get too cute and, and complicated, you lose the average individual. They don't, they don't understand. Number two is the investor needs, it needs, your message needs to resonate to them. They need to feel like they want exposure to this, that there's potential for this. They, they, it, this is something that they would use, or this is something they believe could become a lot more valuable down the road. And number three is it needs to be affordable, right? You, 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 if, you, if you're coming to investors with a twenty-five dollars or $100,000 opportunity, maybe okay for some. Certainly there's a lot more friction in that type of a sale, right? There's a relationship, there's diligence, there's comps, there's Advisors, you know, when you're bringing someone in, in, in an investment opportunity for a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars that they could put on their credit card, they see an ad, they click on it, they watch your video, they get invited to participate, they click invest now, they enter their credit card information, they swipe, and they're a shareholder. That is powerful, really powerful. Um, now, it doesn't work for everyone. You know, it's not like you just put up an offering with an invest now and you and you grab a bullhorn and everyone's going to come flocking to you. 
it could be a waste of money if you don't market that and you don't promote that properly. We are obsessed about understanding how to market this properly. We're not a marketing company, you know, but we're, and we're agnostic to folks, to, to different service providers that our issuers choose to work with, right? But we certainly know who they are. And we certainly have been watching their success or lack of. Um, and that's a big value add, I think, that we could bring. Um, you know, just we've been at this for a while. We know who the marketing and PR firms are. Uh, it's not a, by far not a win for everybody. You know, it takes a lot of different ingredients going at the same time to assure a successful offering. Um, but, but that's something that we, we, we try to be very helpful with, and, and we, we keep trying to innovate to become more helpful. To that point, uh, marketing is a big, uh, one of your big vetting tools. What else do you do technically maybe to, uh, to, to understand or do your due diligence on a company that's coming to you that wants to start to go up on a Reg A? And then the other thing is, uh, after that, if you'll answer that, we also have a mutual uh, 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 client in that we had Larry Namer from Fanvestor on the show. And I'd like you to talk about Fanvestor and how you got involved with him. Yeah, so, so the relationship starts off. Generally, it's an introduction. People find us through um, research, right? They'll see a company online that resonates that they want to model themselves after. We want to be like that. So they, they, they pull up the 1A, which is the offering circular, and they browse through it, and they see who the lawyer is. They see what the terms of the offering, and they see who the underwriter or the broker-dealer of record is, and that's us. And they contact us. Or, they get, or, or we, we'll get a referral from one of the, uh, their securities attorney that we've done a lot, of, a lot of work with in the past or another industry participant. Once we sign our agreement, we perform due diligence. We perform bad actor checks on the company, on the officers and directors. Um, and if that doesn't pan out, we're not moving forward. We are a regulated entity. Compliance is our culture. We were, we've been a broker dealer for 16 years. You have every decision you make. You have to you have to assume it's going to be on the Wall Street Journal tomorrow. And are you comfortable making that decision? If not, no thanks. There's no shortcuts. The beauty of the regulated markets is that it, it forces people to be transparent. It forces you to be ethical. Um, and and that's been and we've been very comfortable in in that environment for for a while. Um, we perform due diligence on the issuer on the company. Um, we also um, integrate with their payment processor and escrow agent, right? So um, we oversee all of the investor activity, the KYC, the AML, the OFAC, the suitability, making sure subscription agreements are signed. Um, we give the issuer the ability to market their offering in all 50 states and DC by working with the broker dealer that's a box check on their offering circular, on their application to, to the SEC. Um, we review all of the, uh, their websites, their marketing, and their promotional materials to make sure that our compliance team is comfortable with them putting these messages out and that they appropriate disclaimers and disclosures around all this information. Um, and we're there every step of the way to advise them and to introduce them to, to groups that we've seen help and be helpful to, um, to other successful issuers that we have. You were talking about keeping things simple and not complicating it to where they, especially when you talk about a mom and pop, let's use that term, or a less sophisticated investor would get overwhelmed with the complexity of the deal. What mix are you seeing of raising equity versus debt of any kind using reggae platform? In all of our deals, which are a lot, we, 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 it spans the full spectrum, equity, debt, 
private companies, public companies listed in the U.S., listed on the OTC, listed on NASDAQ. We're talking to a few New York Stock Exchange companies that are very strongly considering reggae. Really interesting stuff. Um, and Canadian listed companies, right? Um, I would say that um, the majority that I'm seeing is equity. Um, there is a really interesting, and there are, there's some debt, you know, yield is a really interesting thing to offer to the everyday investor as well, right? There's an interesting yield. If I could put, if I could have a six or an eight or a 10% yield, that's more than I'm making in the bank. And if I'm comfortable with the quality of the underwriter, you know, and I could put a few hundred dollars and try it out, then, hey, that's, that's, that's a really unique way. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of that as well. One trend that we're seeing that it happens to be my personal favorite is something called series issuers, right? Series issuers will typically get qualified for the full offering amount in a reggae, which is today 50 million, sometime around February or so, it's going to increase to 75 million per year. So they get qualified for the first for the entire amount. But the investors in the series offering are not buying equity or investing in the parent company, in the company itself. Rather, the company itself is releasing assets one after the other in different series. It could be a racehorse. One of our clients is MyRacehorse.com. One of their horses won the Kentucky Derby. How cool is that? That's our client. They won the Kentucky wow. Derby, and all of your investors got to participate. You know, not everyone has $200,000 to go and buy a horse, but there's a lot of horse racing fans, and this is a way for them to get fractional ownership interest in that, and that's cool. Another example is um, art or, you know, uh, baseball cards uh, or, you know, um, Rolexes or wine or we're now we're doing, we're talking with companies that are going to be launching, you know, different movies and raising capital for movies and real estate, single family homes or commercial real estate, on and on and on. Uh, you know, the, the companies like Rally Road and Otis Wealth and uh, collectible and my resource and soon to be coming out arc seven and arrived homes and uh, on and on we've shepherded we've been fortunate to be the broker dealer that has shepherd shepherded the first wave of these series issuers into the marketplace they have apps they build a community of like-minded collectors or investors that want exposure for these types of products and um and and so that's really interesting and and what's also interesting is that it's, in some cases, it, could be a, it gives you exposure to a unique asset class, right? So if you believe that Michael Jordan's rookie is going to continue to go up from 100000 to $200,000 over the next year, you could buy shares in that, right? Um, so it, it's unlimited as far as what you can provide fractional ownership interest in. Uh, and we're at the cutting edge of that. You know, we have a lot of experience. And I think Almost all of the series issuers in the marketplace are, are working with us as a broker dealer. And some of them are now providing secondary trading solutions to as well. You meant, okay. So secondary, let's talk about that in just a moment. If you're watching or listening to this episode of the Deal Flow Show, you can get access to our archives as well as our future episodes by going to thedealflowshow.com, thedealflowshow.com. Eitan, um, Let's talk about that. Are you involved in any platforms or anything in the secondary markets for private securities? It's interesting. Um, ATSs, right, um, uh, are, are a relatively new thing, right, that a number of broker-dealers have been working to get approval from the regulators over the, over the last few years. They're just now kind of coming out. Um, 
we are we have relationships with a number of brokers. We, we do not have an ATS. It hasn't been the direction that we've chosen to go in. Uh, instead, we've provided our issuers with what's called what we call internal secondary solutions. In other words, they can't broadcast and advertise their shares to the public, which you need an ATS for. But we help facilitate the trading between their shareholders or or, or their ecosystem of of users, right? Um, which works really well for these series issuers um, who tend to develop these communities and they don't necessarily want their, um, their investors or their shareholders to go, have to go to a, another platform to go and browse other potential you know, investment opportunities. They wanna keep it kind of internal and grow their base. So our, our, our secondary trading solutions has, has proven to be really effective um, for our series issuers. That said, we also have relationships with some of the ATS the broker dealers who run ATSs. So we have the ability to, um, you know, to, 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 to provide ATS or, you know, traditional secondary trading liquidity potential to our issuers as well who want to go that direction. We saw a, a big sort of wild west with the, um, and I'm shifting gears, but I'm going to come back and make a point, but we saw this sort of wild west activity with the ICOs, the initial coin offerings in the cryptocurrency space. And then you saw the SEC reach in and, okay, let's pull this back and figure out what we're going to do with it. We've had the Reg A's now, obviously, and CF, I guess, and, and other opportunities for people to raise capital under the Jobs Act. Changes for some time. Now we've seen an expansion in the amount, right? 75 million for the Reg A plus um, 5 million for the CF. Five, yeah. yeah, where, and, and, and I guess because the regulatory agencies obviously are always there on the idea that they're there to protect the investor. As you see yeah. an appetite grow and expand within this less sophisticated investor market, do you see there coming a knee-jerk reaction in the next six to 18 months where they go, wait, 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 wait a minute, we're putting people at danger because they don't have the knowledge or they're not equipped to make the decisions within this? Or do you think this is just going to continue to expand and grow? I think both. Look, you know, I've been around the block uh, as the chairman of a broker-dealer based in New York for almost 16 years, overseen thousands of capital raises all kinds of people, as you could imagine, as I'm sure you guys have seen as well. Um, there's pros and cons to giving entrepreneurs the ability to go out to non-accredited investors with a message and raise money from them, right? Even with SEC qualification and FINRA, no objection. While there hasn't been fraud yet, um, it's likely going to occur. Right, uh, you know, in some way, there's going to certainly going to be companies that don't succeed. Right, not every company wins, so it's important for to set expectations properly for these investors. And I think the SEC does a pretty good job on that. Right, you limit the amount that people could could invest in these in these offerings. Right, um, and that's important. Um, it's important to go slowly. That's probably why they went from 50 to 75 instead of 50 to 100 or 200. You do it slowly, right? Um, and um, but at the same time, um, it's going to continue to expand. And um, because uh, investors should have the opportunity to invest in what they believe might become the next big thing, 
And you know what? Some of those companies are going to be the next big thing. Um, and I think that um, it's going to continue to grow because the number of platforms that are that are that are coming to market and that are out there, companies like Start Engine and Republic and WeFunder are doing an amazing job, right? Of spreading the word, building up their bases of investors, showcasing really interesting opportunities, creating world-class user experience. That's inspirational and, and, and that's great. It's not for everyone though. Um, the marketplace-oriented platforms, right? That, 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 uh, the ones I, I, I just described, their model is to showcase a number of different, many different potential investment opportunities to their, to their investors. Not every issuer does best by being uh, just another store in a mall. Uh, rather, you know, Dalmore's model is to help these issuers build their own landing page, their own invest now button, so that they become the sole beneficiary of their marketing and promotional efforts, right? Uh, we do so also at a fraction of the cost. Um, but there's plenty of room in the market for these, for, for marketplaces. I think that, um, I think that, that they, they've done a very good job spreading the word. Um, oftentimes they're, they're, they're backed by venture capital. Um, so they, they grow pretty quickly um, and, and, their, and their user base grows pretty quickly. Um, so I think that that's been a very, that's been a positive. I have a question. Uh, what are your thoughts then on NYSE getting involved in the Reg A's? That's kind of interesting, isn't it? What are your thoughts on all that? It is, it, it's indicative of, of the fact that the quality of the issuers ha are, is increasing, which is a very good thing, right? You, right. you know, um, and, um, and I think we're going to see that continue, especially because of the increase to 75 million. It's gotten the attention of more and more CEOs at publicly traded companies that, that recognize that, hey, here's a really interesting way to offer a unique share class uh, structure to, to expand our shareholder base, right? right. Um, and to spread the word and promote our, our entity and our stock in this way. Um, and so, you know, we've, we, we've seen it right now. And, and again, we're talking to a few New York Stock Exchange companies on uh, the real estate side. I think we're going to see a, a trend, uh, you know, an increase in that, in that trend. I think it's just the beginning. Um, and we've also had, you know, companies that have um, started off private that have reached, the, have raised their full offering goals and are now um, uplisted and now, and now trading in Canada and elsewhere. So we're seeing that too. You know, they, our, our clients are private that end up going public, private that end up staying private, uh, public that, you know, are looking for unique ways to raise additional capital. Um, and I think we're going to, I think that, that trend's going to continue. Every time we have folks on the show and we we make introductions, we meet uh, new people like yourself, and then it connects with other people that we'd like to connect with. But we always uh, see folks come from even the audience. We've seen deals in this first season of the Deal Flow Show where guests have been, re you know, people have reached out from the audience. What kind of people would you like to hear from as uh, your show goes live in the, in the platform in the public, what kind of people would you like to hear from that uh, you potentially do business with? The entrepreneur who's been stuck at home for the last seven or eight months with a great idea um, that's been working on their business plan for quite a while, who's learned about this thing called Reg CF and Reg A and has been tracking it, looking into their options, intrigued by it, Call me. I, we could be helpful. Um, we could show you the different options that you have, the timeline, the strategy, 
of, of, how to, of how to do this, of you know, which law firm to work with, which funding platform to work with, which marketing companies to consider. Um, you know, uh, that's who I'm talking to. And that's who I talk to every day. I mean, I've talked to, I'm very involved with the onboarding of all of our clients. On, on the Reg A side, you know, again, it's 83 or 84 as of today, 20 or 30 that are going to be up and going in the next, I don't know, few weeks or months. So, you know, and then, and, and, and on the CF side too, you know, we launched directcf.com, which is, you know, um, it's one of our, one of Dalmore's companies really designed to provide a direct, a cost effective and an open access solution for companies that want to raise money via uh, regulation CF. Um, we weren't particularly focused on it when it was at a million and 70,000. Because you don't get the audited financials, you don't get the SDC qualification, you don't get thin or no objection. It's a notice filing, um, and so for a million dollar raise for a broker dealer investment bank to take on is, is is difficult to swallow. Even though many of our Reg A clients were using Regulation CF to raise enough money to properly launch and finance a more extensive Regulation A offering, but now that it's at that five million, we're taking it very seriously. Um, since we announced uh, the launch of DirectCF um, and put out a press release actually featuring Larry and Fanvestor, which you, you asked before, they're our inaugural client, um, we've been bombarded with, um, with applications. Um, again, the model in, in typical Dalmore fashion deconstructs the marketplace-oriented platform model that you'll see on many other platforms and gives the issuer their own page, their own experience that they get to build and, and we help them build their own experience um, so that they are the sole beneficiary of their, of, of those, of, of their own marketing and promotional efforts that they could go back to these investors for their reg A and they don't get absorbed into the black hole of a marketplace where they're bludgeoned with offering after offering after offering with competitors, right? Um, so that's really our model. Uh, again, at the fraction of a price, you know, at, at a fraction of the price um, and giving these issuers and their marketing companies full transparency into the analytics that they need to measure the effectiveness of their marketing and promotional efforts, which is very difficult to get when you're one of many listed on a third-party market marketplace-oriented platform. So I'm speaking to the entrepreneur that's been at this for months, that's trying to figure out the right direction to go. Um, you have choices. You, know, you can list on a platform with many other deals, and that could be great, and that is great for some, but not for everyone. Um, we're a really good solution to consider if you want to set this up, you know, and have your own, you want to be the only game in town. You want investors to come to your site and not have a home screen that's going to let them browse a hundred other offerings. We could get you there. You mentioned you've been sitting at home and you've got an idea. So you're working with pre-launch, pre-revenue companies on these, these raises? It's such a mix. It is, it, it is, a, it is a mix. There are some, again, there's New York Stock Exchange companies, NASDAQ companies, companies that are doing quite well that recognize, hey, this is a unique way at a valuation that we're comfortable with to go and raise up to 75 million. That's a powerful tool to, tool to consider, right? To finance an acquisition or, 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 or the rollout of additional you know, plans that they might have. Um, but yes, absolutely, you could be a startup with a great idea and a team that's done interesting things in the past, um, and perhaps with a influencer or a celebrity or something highly relevant to this environment 
that you're very confident, you're confident that you're going to get, or you already may have a group of following or, or, or an investor base that's going to give you the initial momentum that hopefully could, could, could snowball. Um, so absolutely, um, new companies, new series issuers that, and again, it's becoming very, very popular, this idea of fractionalized ownership interest in different assets. Call me. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about our, our, you know, what we've been doing. We'll talk about the pros and cons of different ways to approach it. Um, but you could be a startup. You could be a thriving, profitable company. This look at Regulation A and Regulation CF as a tool to bring your message, bring your structure to the masses. It's very different than, than how things were back when we were growing up. What's the best way for a person to reach out to you? LinkedIn, phone, web? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn for sure. You could go to our uh, Dalmore website, which is Dalmore FG, as in financial group, DalmoreFG.com. Uh, you'll, you'll see my, my, my email there as well. Um, you know, um, my, my email address is Aton at DalmoreFG.com. Um, and, you know, I, again, I spend most of my time now talking with entrepreneurs that are at various stages of launching these, these offerings. Um, and I love it. Fantastic. Aton Butler, the Dalmore Group. I'm glad to have you on the show. Glad to make your acquaintance. I know our producer, Daniel Pinaranda and Paul have had time to talk to you before, but look forward to getting to know you after the show and seeing how we might be able to bring some of our portfolio companies and opportunities as well as some matchmaking among our network as well. On behalf of myself, anything else, Mr. Nicole? No, you're good. You said it. That's All right. Perfect. Great if guest. If you're watching or listening to this episode, you can go to thedillflowshow.com, get access to our episodes. If you think you might be a great guest or you know someone who would be a great guest, you can make a recommendation on the site or apply to be a guest on the show. And uh, you can find us on every platform out there for video and audio podcasting and distribution and content syndication. We'll see you again in another episode very, very soon. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ethan. For more episodes, visit thedealflowshow.com and subscribe.